All right, everybody, this is The Network. Welcome to The Network. I got Jason Glenn here with me today. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody that The Network is my attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. Every episode is designed to help the physical, mental, spiritual, and financial health of Black people living right here in America every day. So as I mentioned already, today's guest is Jason Glenn. Coach Glenn, that's how I know. Yes, how sir. you doing today, bro? I'm doing outstanding, brother. What about yourself? Man, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing well. I have no complaints. I have no complaints. So before we get started, because I know that you are going to, to intrigue some people. So if people want to just reach out and find you and get a little more information about Jason Glenn and get to know who Coach Glenn is, where can they find you? Uh, I'm, I'm predominantly on Twitter. Uh, I'm, I'm a big time Twitter guy. Uh, Coach J Glenn uh, is my Twitter handle, man. I, um, you know, I use Twitter, you know, there's so much <clears throat> negativity that people try to put out. I use Twitter to bring out a lot of positives. You know, we concentrate yeah. on the negative yeah. so much. I try to use Twitter to bring them positive yeah. uh, aspects. So I'm, I'm on there a lot, brother. Um, you know, I'm a client ISD employee. So, hey, you can find me on there as well. Okay. 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 So you are the client ISD director of student outreach. So do me a favor. I want you to kind of. First, tell us, give us some background. Who Who is Jason Glenn? You know, where is Jason Glenn from? How did he get from point A to, I don't know what, what point you on now, you know, Z, double A, triple C. Um, but how did you, where did you start? And how did you get from there to where you are now? I tell you what, man, dude, this will be a great Snickers commercial. You know how they say, it's going to be a while. <laughs> you grab a Snickers. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm going to summarize it, man. I grew up, um, I grew up in Umble. Um, in a small, uh, I say neighborhood called Bordersville, Texas. It's a uh, very, very small, uh, known back in the day to have a sawmill, predominantly African Americans. Um, annual. Did you say a sawmill? Sawmill. It was known as a really? saw. Yes, it was very. Uh, I'm going to do some more background on it, some checks on it, yeah. but I'm pretty yeah. sure we had some deep, deep slavery tides in my area um you know uh because we had cotton we had a whole bunch of those things uh back there. but i'm gonna do some more research but the annual income man uh the annual income was eleven thousand a year uh wow yeah 10 brothers and sisters wow yeah 10 brothers and sisters on a trailer trailer home on cinder blocks um okay you know man grew up in the church you know, my, my mom, you know, we had Sunday. That's when Sunday school was Sunday school. You get up and you go to Sunday school, you know. Right, right, Being an athlete, right, right. you play on Friday. On Saturday, You sometimes you have games on Saturday, but no matter what's going on, you're not going to be late to Sunday school. So you used yeah. to walk to church. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, had, we all had to walk to church, all 11 of us. We, we, we all had the same thing. Right, so let me, let me ask you a question because, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm having a little flashbacks of my grandmother's church in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Did y'all have any instruments in your church or was everything just straight acapella? Man, it started off acapella. And I okay. remember we had a donor. And I remember there was a guy, I mean, he was like my goddad named Mr. A.W. Jones. He actually has an elementary in Aldine ISD named after him. Okay. Uh, he okay. actually donated and kind of started our church to become what it was, which is a very good church. So we started, man, just everybody just, hey. Even if you couldn't sing, you was a uh, you was there. 
you know. Yeah, yeah. We had a church that was yeah. mandatory children's choir. So no matter who child you was, you was in that choir. Every kid was gonna sing. So yeah, uh, yeah we had we had that brother. A- absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. Yeah, old school. Okay. Um, yeah, that listen, that's old school. I can hear my grandmother now uh, singing "Draw Me Nearer." Draw me near. That was man. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going, Coach. Keep going. Yeah, no, I'm with you. We, we can be doing this all day. Um, I grew up in the church, man. Uh, like I said, I'm number ten out of eleven kids from the same parents, uh, Amos and 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 Rosie Glenn. Uh, my daddy was known as AC. Uh, everybody uh, thought it was because he was so cool, but that his yeah. name was Amos Cleo. So we just kept it that my dad was so cool, so they called him AC. Uh, he passed away in 2018. Uh, Great man, great parents. Um, like I said, I'm 10, 11 kids, man. I grew up in the humble man with the Aldine Nimitz. T went through the whole Aldine district. Uh, I was blessed to get a full uh, athletic scholarship at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing football there. Um, played four years, four wonderful years. I uh, received my bachelor's. I was blessed to get drafted in the NFL. Uh, played seven okay. years in the NFL. Uh, while I was doing that, I was uh, finishing up my master's and everything else at that time. Um, you know, after that, uh, I coached one year in the NFL when I retired, coached one year in the NFL, a coach, and also was the, um, assistant player development. So I, I was in on the administrative side of the NFL organizational wise as well. So I had, uh, I was okay. blessed to get both sides of it, really get both sides of it. Um, didn't want to do that. The hours were crazy. <laughs> and plus, uh, yeah. I got a wife, man, that's from Bayo Chico, Louisiana. She told me, look, you need to be home. So that 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 yeah. NFL career yeah, as far as yeah. coaching was cut really short. Came back, man. Been coaching high school since. Uh, coached at Pearland, uh, 2010, 2011. Won state uh, that year in football. Um, that was a blessing. And you know what the job is as the head coach one year. Stayed there for uh, for a couple of months and went to Klein Oak, man. And it's been smooth selling, selling in Klein IZ since 2012. Let Let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Did you always know that you wanted to be a coach? Always. Always. Okay. I always knew okay. I wanted to be a coach. And as I matured as a, as a man and as a coach, I wanted, I started to get the, the, the passion and the love for watching kids compete, not just in football. You know what I mean? Like it started yeah. to really get them like, man, these kids yeah. are competing just as hard as my football players. And let me stay and watch. So as I start watching different sports, it started wanting me to get into be more of the athletic, not just the football aspect, but athletic aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. What is it like? So families, families aren't that big anymore, mm-hmm. you know? So my dad, it was 12 of them, mm-hmm. you know, on my dad's side, on my mom's side, um, depending on how we want to do the math, it was 10 and then. So we'll just say it that way. It was 10 and then I got you. on my mom's side, you know, but large, large families. Um, my dad, uh, second youngest, you know, out of, out of his family. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was the oldest girl. So she was kind of like right in the middle. Got you. But what I can't imagine it's four of us mm-hmm. in my family. I got an older brother two younger sisters. I can't imagine growing up with 10, <laughs> 10 brothers and sisters. Yeah. What What is that like? I mean, just, just for me, I just, I want to know what is that like? You, you know what, to be honest <clears throat> with you, Mike, I, I really didn't, I didn't, 
I didn't grasp the magnitude of how uh, uncommon that was. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, our neighborhood was small. We stayed in our neighborhood a lot. We went to school. We had a, a, a neighborhood park we went to. But besides that, that was really it, you know. Um, so I really didn't look at it like, man, we I have 10 brothers and sisters. Until I started talking to people, and they're like, you have 10 brothers, you know, <laughs> you you what? Yeah, yeah. So It was just normal. It was, it was just normal. normal. It was life. Uh, a lot of things in my neighborhood I, I thought was life as I got older. But, man, it, it was amazing. You know, I, I don't know how my parents did it. My dad's a subcontractor. Yeah. Uh, we never asked yeah. questions about, you know, food or anything, man. Um, we always found a way. And I think that's because our neighborhood pastor, he, he grew a garden. He had a garden. And he used to always give us onions every year. I mean, uh, like every yeah. week, week and a half, he'd bring onions. And we used to have government cheese. And so a cheese, a grilled cheese and onion sandwich for us, was normal. We like, hey, hey these yeah, are good. Yeah. We didn't know it was nasty. We didn't know. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So yeah. we didn't know. Like as I grew up now, I tell my kids, hey, y'all want cheese and onion sandwiches? Dad, are you kidding? Like that was like, man, we just eating cheese and onion sandwiches. All right, go outside until the street lights come on and you come back in. Uh, yeah. But it was awesome, man. We had our own football team, basically. <laughs> really yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it was. Uh, we yeah. always had something to do. We always took care of each other. We. We, I mean, we had each other's back. If you know you hit, you was messing with one, one of them, you're going back. Messing with all. You're going to mess with all. And if you got your butt yeah. whooped by one and the other five or six to sit there and watch, those five and six are going to get their butt whooped at home. And then those five and six, we're going to go back and get the one. So we were yeah. <laughs> very close knit. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Man, shout out to your parents. Oh, yeah. Like, for real. Because I, I am amazed at how... Um, you know, like you said, you know, I don't, I don't know how my parents did it. That is how I look, um, at my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, how I have no idea, you know, somehow, you know, my mom's side, she got all of them into college, mm-hmm. you know, and my grandmother, she ran a, a daycare, you know, she ran a daycare. My grandfather passed years before I was born. Mm-hmm. He was a, a master plumber. Mm. You know, and somehow, man, all my mom, dad, aunts and uncles all got them into college. But going, you know, going there, going to my grandparents' house in Mississippi, my grandmother lived. The neighborhood was called The Bottom. Mm. Mm. Now, as as an adult, you know what that means. Absolutely. As a kid, you, you don't know what that is. You just, you go into grandmother's house. You know? And then, you know, on my dad's side, my dad grew up in Louisiana, you know, my grandmother lived in the projects. Yeah. You know, so the, um, you know, the government cheese, mm-hmm. I don't know what this, I don't know what this program was, man, but they used to give chickens, hmm. you know, they, they used to give chickens so you can raise the chickens, mm-hmm. you know, man, I remember my grandmother having the chickens and we thought it was the coolest thing in the world. You, you know, you get these little baby chickens, yeah. we playing with them, not knowing that they're supposed to be raised, you know, so that we can eat, eat them. them. But <laughs> man, the resiliency, you know, man, of your parents yeah. and and other parents to do the things that they did for us to put us in position yeah. to be successful. Because there are some things that I'll never know about. Yeah, me too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because of the sacrifices, you know, of our parents and grandparents. So, man, that, that awesome. huge shout out to your parents. Yeah. So, growing up in Humble. Nimitz, 
let me let me ask you this. What is it about? Because I I want to ask you some football stuff, right? Okay. You know, because I mean, right? Yeah. What is it about football that makes football king? And I'm asking that. Um, I listen. I think it was Ted Johnson played for the Patriots. Yep, Ted, I know Ted. I remember hearing him speak, and I think he was. I think he had been diagnosed with CTE. Yep. And I'll never forget him saying, "I would do it all over again." Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, "If knowing that now that I have CTE, you know," and I'm paraphrasing, of course. Mm-hmm. But the things that football has has done for me, the things that football has done for my family, the things that football has put me in position mm-hmm. to do for my family, he's like, man, I would do it all over again. So what is it? Because I'm not a football guy, mm-hmm. right? I'm a, I'm a basketball yeah. guy. I'm I'm I mean, man, forever and a day, yeah. I'm basketball. You know, I played baseball too, but I'm a basketball guy. Yes. What is it about football that just makes football king what it what is that drawing power mm-hmm. you know what what is it for me uh i know this is gonna sound cheesy i have a couple but this one sounds cheesy if you look at any other sport what's the highest number of what's the highest number of active players on one sports field court arena What's the highest number of any? Uh, so I, you're putting 11. You're going 11 in football. 22, 22. The next thing, yeah, the next thing has to be, it's, it's got to be basketball. Right. And that's five. Yep, five. That's five on five. You're right. Five, or you can say baseball when you have, uh, well, baseball. baseball, you have some, soccer, you have, you know. Soccer is 11, yeah. I think. I think soccer is 11. Yes, it's, yeah. I, I think it's 11. So, yeah. But to have 11 people on one side reaching for a goal and they all have to be unified and synced. Yeah. What else can you get? That's hard to find in business. That's fine. That's hard to find in any type of organization to have that many people having one focus, one mind and one goal to -hmm. do that. And that's the one thing that you can say, hey, not one thing. This is the one thing about it. I never looked at your race while I'm trying to get this goal. Yeah. I never looked at you yeah. and said, man, he's white, black, Hispanic, whatever. And be like, ah, I'm not going to play as hard. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to work right, as hard. Right. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Like, because it's so many, right. Right. It's so many. Right. So just the, the teamwork camaraderie and knowing that the best feeling that that that's as far as my ultimate, but my personal feeling is and I told my kids this when I when I was coaching them. I love being exhausted. I love it. There's not. What do you mean by that? What I mean by after a game when I used to play, mm-hmm. I can never get that after game feeling from anywhere. What I mean is giving my all to the game, to my teammates, and everything. To where when I take that shower after that game, I sit at my locker. And I got to just, like my body, my mind, everything is just drained. Yeah. The best feeling in the world. And knowing that you have a turf burn or a grass burn somewhere, when you take the, you don't know you have it until you take that shower and they start burning. I can't can't get that. And I work out so hard, Mike, that I try to get that feeling. I try to get that. Yeah. 
I can't, I can't fit. There's nothing else that can make me feel as though I gave my ultimate all. It was one game as a coach that I felt like that in high school. It was against Montgomery about four years ago. I needed to take an ice bath because I was so it was it was a playoff game. When I say that, we needed to win this game to get into the playoffs. And I was yeah, the defensive yeah. coordinator. And I was I mean, I was hitting it getting it so hard that I had to take an ice bath afterwards. That's the only time I ever felt that feeling. Never again. And to know that you give your all, man, like everything you have, like everything. When you feel exhausted, it's the best feeling in the world. You said you mentioned something. You was like, listen, we all moving in the same direction. Absolutely. We got one goal. It doesn't matter, you know, what our differences are. Mm-hmm. We're all moving that direction. And I, I can honestly say, man, that's true. Mm-hmm. And I'm and again, I'm I'm not a football guy. I played a couple of years of football growing up. Yeah. Listen, man, all of that banging. Look, that well, wasn't for me. Ain't for everybody. Real with you. It ain't for everybody. Hey. And it wasn't for me. Yeah, I all got the ankles it to wasn't hoop. For me. I don't have the ankles <laughs> to hoop. I don't have them. <laughs> so I get it. You know. Yeah. But what is it, in your opinion, mm-hmm. why is it so difficult for I play I remember playing high school baseball. Mm-hmm. Really, really good baseball team. You know, three brothers. There's only three brothers on the team, right? Mm-hmm. When we're out there playing, man, we're playing. That's right. Everybody's working together. But then, you know, a couple of things happen off the field. Yeah. You know, that just unnecessary stuff, right? Unnecessary stuff, you know, dealing with 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 racial, racially charged language. But when we're in between those lines, it's never an issue. Never. In your opinion, why can't we why can't we bottle that? We we know we can do it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like we know we can do it. It's possible because we always moving in the same direction when we're here. Why is it so hard for us to keep moving in the same direction outside the lines? And, and you know, and this is and that is an amazing question. And the reason why I'm not saying everybody has to be this, but when when people tell when people tell certain people to shut up and dribble. When people mm-hmm. tell certain people to shut up and catch a ball and make a tackle, you're taking away some of the people that can actually make this country better because we experienced what you're talking about. Now, the people that never, I'm not saying you have to be an athlete, but that's one, as many facets, but that's one area to where it doesn't matter your religion, your race, or anything. <laughs> They come together as one, and we realize that. So in my mind, if I'm owning a business, which I have before, I'm hiring athletes. I'm hiring some athletes because you understand I don't care about your race. I don't care about – but the people that never been in that, it's hard for them to see that. They've never been in a situation to have that type of that, that, that type of situation to where they have to work together with so many different types of people in order to reach one goal. So when you tell people to shut up, athletes to shut up and just play their sport, you're taking something, someone away that can help this country heal with the racism and other issues. That's real. Mm-hmm. That's real. I wrote, I'm just, I'm looking at my notes. <clears throat> I think the perception. So I, I asked you a few minutes ago, you know, have you always wanted to coach? Mm-hmm. You know, and you were like, yes. So I'm going to be real with you. The only thing I ever 
I have some other interests, no but the only thing I ever really wanted to do was coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my finite mind, you know, in the little bit of wisdom I thought I had, I was kind of running from this, this dumb jock yeah. thing. You know, people just going to look at you as, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, coaches get to have this perception. Yes. But some of the absolute most brilliant people I have been around have been athletes and coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, do you, you know, so the people who are talking about, you know, Hey, stay over there. Yeah. Shut up and dribble. Do you think possibly that maybe they, they believe that dumb jock myth? Cause it's a myth. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. You said that, um, at work on Thursday, a coworker of mine, because uh, she heard, she found out that uh, I started my doctorate. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, okay, straight up honest with you, I'm a coach again. I'm just, I'm just putting it out yeah. there. I mean, I know it's a podcast. I know what position I'm in now. I will coach again. <laughs> yeah. you, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about who hears this. I'm going to coach again. But one of the reasons why I took this position. Okay, is to let kids know and some adults know that athletes are more, we're more than just having a ball in our hands, making mm-hmm. a tackle, shooting a shot, kicking a ball, hitting the ball with, with a bat. We're more than that. So for me, I am, I'm one of the many athletes, coaches that see ourselves more, and being a coach is amazing. But when right. people put a say coach, they just put coaches in this small this this part. They talk about mm-hmm. the sport. Mm-hmm. Coaches is more than that, as we know. Right, right. I want to take the part that I know and you know as coach. I want to expand that. And what I mean by that, not too many coaches will have the the two letters dr in front of their name. <laughs> Right. It's true. It's true. It's true. true. I know a couple. So when that happens, they're going to see we're going to help change the narrative, the myth of what we are perceived to just coach a sport and go home. We don't teach as good as some of the best teachers are coaches. And we know that. Right. That's right. And and that's That's true, because the first thing is this. It's not that we know our content better than whoever else. Is that relationships that we have built with those kids? Because at the end of the at the end of the day, when I was a teacher, I had to teach IPC and chemistry. I had to balance equations in chemistry. So when I wanted to balance equations, I didn't do the normal balance equations. No. So what I did, I said, "Hey, my ballers are over here, my haters over here." In order for me to balance these equations, what does a hater want? Hater want what a baller has. So I'm going to take from this side, and them kids pick it up just like this here. That's good. I, listen, <laughs> I might be able to go, if I'd have had you as a teacher in chemistry, <laughs> I might not, because listen, th- this was my eyeballs when I was in chemistry. Enjoying this episode so far? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Radio Public, or Pocket Casts. Now back to the show. 
a lot of times people talk about the process, the process, the process, even in the classroom, athletics or classroom, it's more than just the process, right? Because you can have a great process and not get the results you want. So your process mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. to be result driven. Like what can I do to get the results that I need at the end of the day? <laughs> what can I do to get this kid to pay attention? What can I do to get Michael Prejean to not do this in chemistry? What do I need? Do I need uh, Mike to come up Ladies. here with me? I need to put my arm around Mike up in the front of class as we teaching together. That ain't my process, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it to make sure Mike Prejean understands his chemistry and I got his eyes on me and his attention is on me. So that's why coaches are great teachers. I agree. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not necessarily – because, because you know, I I have other teachers say this. Well, y'all can make them run, you know. And I just, you know, I just kind of laugh it off, you know, because the ultimately the goal is not to have to consequence a kid That's right. to get them to do what we want them to that's do. Right. You know that that's not the goal. We really, you know, we gotta have you gotta have the buy-in. The relationship building that's- is huge. Coaching is a call. Mm-hmm. Coaching is a calling. Coaching is a ministry. I had to have somebody really explain that to me, you know, so so that I could truly 100 percent understand because I used to think, excuse me, and this is me. I wanted to get into coaching. My kids were were young, you know, it's going to take so much time away. My wife and I were involved in the church. Um, so it's like, ah, you know, I know how much time coaching is going to take away, but we involved in church and I looked at it like I had to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Okay. God, I got to choose between working in the church or working with children. And then it was a lady named Angela Williams. She worked with FCA. She really had to break it down and, and, and make me understand that coaching is a calling. Coaching is ministry. Right. The the number of lives that you are going to impact right. with what you do on a daily basis, you you can't put a value. Absolutely, on that. you can't. You cannot put a value on that. So, I want I want you to talk about your why because I, I know what you did with coaching mm-hmm. was a result of your why and the things that you're passionate Absolutely. about. So do me a favor, dive into that for me. Um, my my why, <clears throat> you know, as far as coaching, um, and what I did is with kids. Kids, I mean, I have a true passion to help kids become something they never thought they could be. That's the first thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing is to help mold them into something. That's great. Now, people say, hey, you know, coaching, as long as they're uh, a productive citizen, and, and you know, I, I get that. And I'm all for that. I am. I mean, I, I understand what you mean. I don't want yeah. any of my kids just being a productive citizen. I want my kids to make an impact, not just an impression. That's my life. You know what I mean? I want people. That's one good. of my main things were when a kid leaves Klein Oak. This when I was at Clown Oak. When a kid left Clown Oak, I wanted a kid to get hired 
not because of what college they went to, because they say he went to Clown Oak High School and he was an athlete or she was an athlete. I don't want to hire him because of that. Because they know the impression and the, well, they know the impact that our athletes made on this community and people know it and no doubt in my mind, they want them to, hey, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to be a part of this company. I want you to be a part of this organization. That's an impact. Anybody can make an impression. Okay, and sometimes the impression does do some great things, but an impact on somebody is so much bigger. Um, and, and that's my why, man. I have a true passion for kids and also my coaches. One thing that I enjoy most, and I, and I don't use this, and I never will, coaching tree. Coaching tree. Coaching tree. I have, you know, yeah. I, yeah. I can care less about a coaching tree <laughs> for me. I wanted all my coaches to go live out what they want to do with this game or with coaching. You want to be an OC, that's it? Hey, coach, here. Let me give you some of this right here. All right? This is how you can be an OC. Boom. You want to be a head coach? Here you go, coach. This the, here's the ingredients of, of you doing it. So let me help you fix it so you can be that head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to be athletic mm-hmm. director? All right, coach, here's some here. Get some of this, you know, get some of this, um, this, this, smoke, this smoke paprika. You know, get some of this uh, garlic powder. Here's some of the, you know, I'm giving yeah. you, and because I want yeah. them to go do something greater. And the reason why, because what our programs as an athletic department will stand for, I know that person had bought in, and that's to make great young men and great young ladies. So I know if they do that here, and they want to go be a head coach, guess what they're going to bring with them? That same type of mentality. So now, not just Clown Oak, but wherever school you at, so now we doubled it. I got another coach one, mm-hmm. now we're going to double it. I mean, triple it. That's right. That's right. So you see what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I, I don't groom, I don't want to say I groom coaches, but I assist them in getting to where they want to be, no matter what stage of coaching that they want to get to. That's another one of my wives. I love it. Is that common? Absolutely not. I can say that I have been under coaches before who cared about their own wins and losses. I have seen a coach leave his overall record on the board before he left the school before. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I I want you to, so first for people who are watching by YouTube, I really appreciate y'all. Make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. If you're listening by podcast, especially if you're listening on Apple, I need you to go ahead and give us that five-star rating. Right now, you're listening to Jason Glenn, the director of student outreach in Klein ISD. Coach, you mentioned something. You talked about making an impact versus an impression. For people like me, you know, if there's people out there watching or listening like me and they need you to break it down a little bit more, do me a favor, break down that impact versus impression again because there may be some people who um you know the old saying is you want to make a good impression mm-hmm. right and some people may leave it at there mm-hmm. you know so so do me a favor break that down for me that leaving an impact versus just making an impression the impression part is what people think of you right is what they think oh you make a great impression that's what they think of you. Mm-hmm. the impact is how people truly feel I'm gonna make you feel. Oh, that's good. See, so I'm gonna make you feel this way. Uh, impact. I'm gonna leave you with a feeling. Now, sometimes impact is not always positive. We, we know that. that. That's life. 
but an impact right, right. is how I'm going to make you feel about me just by the things that I have been taught, uh, the way I go about my business, my character, my integrity, the way I run, you know, the way I, I am every day. I'm going to make you feel this way about me. I don't want you to think that I'm this way because anybody could think anything about anybody. But an impact is so special because you can make people feel a certain way about you. An impression yeah, can't make yeah. nobody love you. Right? If I made an impression on my wife, that 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 Bayo Chico Louisiana woman, if I made an impression on her, I would not have this thing on my finger. Right? So yeah, when I had yeah. her, I wanted to make an impact on her life and our life in order for, hey, she feel this way about me? Come on with it. You know, I, I think that is the main difference between an impression, what people think of you, um, their first uh, um, initial thought of you uh, versus mm-hmm. an impact. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that, you get a lot of sagging pants that get impressions. But little do we know, those sagging pants could own a company just by listening to them and having a, a conversation and letting them get to know you and let that person have an impact. Don't go off. I mean, impressions are, uh, I get it. I know society, how it is. You see those and that. But the impact is what really can change a whole bunch of things in this world. Because I'm going to make you feel this way about me. And you could use that in anything, even racism. That's good. Good story. Quick story. I'm not going to take long. Quick story. One of my best friends, blonde hair, blue eye. Blonde hair, blue eye, white woman. Love her to death. That's my girl. Sixth grade. We called each other some names that we shouldn't call each other names, some some deep names, some racial names. We went back and forth yeah. in sixth grade. We got sent to ISS, which is SAC. At the time, it's called SAC, ISS. Yeah. Um, because our impression of each other. So we had to go there for three days. <clears throat> and I, t- I told this story before. So we had to eat lunch. And school lunch at that time wasn't the best. So my mom went and bought them little 25-cent Lunchables, Right. So there was a quarter for the lunch with the meat, the cracker, and the little cheese deal. And so I'm in sack along with her and some other people. And I'm looking at her and I'm kind of snickering like, <laughs> she eating that school lunch. Let me go ahead and eat this lunch. So I'm putting I'm putting double meat, double cheese, and I'm eating them and I'm crunching all it because I want her to see this, right? I'm in the sixth grade. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm 11 years yeah. old, you know, going at it. But then the next day, she had the school lunch again. I got my little quarter lunch. I ate half and I gave her the other half. Because I seen that in her face. Gave that to her. She is my best friend as a female to this day. To this day. Her up. daughter is my goddaughter. Spends the night over here. You know, me and her daughter, we made it even, we made it like a little. <laughs> she's going to the sixth grade. She was in the fifth grade during, even during COVID. We made like a little rap video together. Me and her, we had some hats. She wore one of my jerseys. You know, we, I mean. You, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's because of the impact of a lunchable. Think of if we did that as a society. Not the impression. But the impression led you to believe that for you to call me that name and because of how I act and how I dress. That mm-hmm. lunchable, a quarter lunchable, changed the outlook of both of our lives. <laughs> that's amazing. Yep. That, that's that relationship yep. piece. You know, that's the I try to live by, not try, but my wife and I have determined, you know, so the Bible says this, the Bible says that. Yeah, it it says all of that. But what Kim and I do is we hang our hat on loving people. We're going to love people, period, period. Whatever, Whatever the information says, 
fine. Whatever happened, fine. Whatever he or she did, it is what it is. We're going to love people, period. Everybody. You know, and everybody. You know, and then there's a saying, be kind. Mm -hmm. Because you never know what somebody's dealing with. And I I am a, I'm a recipient of grace. I've been forgiven. You know, I was a really rotten. I used to be really rotten. Me too. Me too. (laughs) But, you know, but when you've been forgiven for doing all kind of hard head stuff, Mm -hmm. man, it it becomes easy to forgive other people, to see the good in other people. Relationships, man. Mm -hmm. Relationships, relationships, relationships. That's one of the things. So as I watched you from afar, and I've I've shared this with you before, as I watched you from afar, I could see the impact that you were making. Mm You know, and that was one of the things that I was kind of like, man, I wonder what they're doing over there. Let me see if I can get over there, you know, because, you know, because legit, I could see it. You know, it it, it was it it was visible. Coach, is there anything that keeps you up at night? You know, you've given us, you know, some of your background. You kind of told us, you know, the things that you're passionate about. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? Um. It is, and, and this, I guess it goes with a saying uh, that I used to have. It's uh, old school, and, it, and this always stuck with me. It was an old school rapper. I listen to old school rap, man. It was old school rap. Not old school, but kind of old school, named Tila. I don't know if everybody remember him anyway. but Tired of balling? Yeah. That was a, I'm so tired of balling. Yeah, yeah okay. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, but what he, um, he as he matured in his in his career, he said a verse in a rap that, that stuck with me. And he said, there's two things I don't want to see. Me not believing in Christ and my kids die before me. Those are two things that have stuck with me and it keeps me mm-hmm. up at night that I don't want anything to affect me to where I have to question Christ because we all fall short. We all fall right. short. And sometimes right. you can be like, God, why me? Or God, why did this person, this person was so good. Why can't the person that actually uh, robbed the bank, how come that person didn't get hit with a straight bullet instead of the person that's living for you? You see, the, you know what I mean? Like any, right. it makes you, anything right. can make you question because when you have emotions and feelings, it can make you question anything, but you can, but after you get out of your emotions, you believe, you know, right now, his purpose is undeniable. <laughs> right. And, right. right. And for, for my kids, I don't, I, I don't want to feel the pain of any parent. I know parents have gone through this. I will be absolutely crushed if I have to bury my kids before I'm buried. I will be, yeah. that is something that, um, when I say out of my life, I am, I'm around 97% to 95% complete with everything that I have dreamed of that I wanted to do. I am a very blessed man, you know, uh, yeah. You know, like I said, I want to get my master's. My my doctorate is one percent. My other percentage is watching my kids grow up, get married, and watching them have a family. Yeah. Once I have seen yeah. those things, I'm pretty much like, mm, what else? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. No, those are that 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 verse. I know it sounds kind of, but that verse always stuck with me, man. For some reason. Me not believing in Christ. Uh, and my kids died before me. No, that listen, that's impact. Mm-hmm. That's impact. That that is 
that's not an impression. That's an impact. Right. Just by his words, you know, that verse. That, <laughs> that yeah. verse made an impact yeah. on me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that is good. That is good. You you mentioned this in your questionnaire, so I want to ask you about this. Right. Um, you said I have fear of failure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. In every aspect of life, not not with coaching as far as winning and losing, but losing young men and women mm-hmm. to something that can derail their life into something else. So what happens when you encounter a kid that that we can't help? You know, that kid is just they're resistant to the help that we're trying to give them. What happens then? That's the worst part of coaching. If anybody tell you right now, this is how you know a coach is in it for certain reasons. If the coach said, what is the worst part of coaching? Mm-hmm. If they can tell you, well, I lost this game back and said for the championship or, um, you know, uh, I, I, I should have ran this play when I – that ain't, man, come on. <laughs> you will get that every single year. Right. But when you say – I, I lost a kid because when I lose a kid, kid made the choices. I'm all about accountability. Kid made the choices, mm-hmm. uh, especially as coaches. When we when we give them the standards and the expectations repeatedly and consistently, and show them that the worst feeling in the world is losing a kid for the girl for for the betterment of the team. I don't want to say betterment. For the uh, to make sure that the program that you're running or athletics still believes in what you're teaching, I don't want to say better. Yeah. I, I, I don't losing a kid. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it'd make you better. People say, "Oh, wait, well, this kid, you got to go and make the pro." No, because you lost the kid. Because without kids, you don't yeah. have a program. <laughs> yeah, kids yeah. are the program. Right, that's right. You know, that's right. It, it's true. So I have lost a kid that I have put so much work in. Because I'm talking about everything, every only thing I didn't do for the kid was allow the kid to live with me because I have a daughter, <laughs> and I don't want. Then they mm-hmm. both went to the same high school, and I don't want you know how that can be. Uh, you know, yeah. rumors. Yeah. No, she's not gonna go through that. I'm talking about everything. Giving this kid every single thing that I can absolutely give a kid. And it didn't work out. Um, to this day, and the thing, and, and the best part about it, we still talk. I had to let him. I had to let him go from the team. We still talk. He wished me happy birthday. So that's what's up. I didn't make an impression on that kid. I made an impact, but without that part, that is the worst thing. Because I do believe you have to let some kids figure out. Look, man, you got to be accountable for this. Mm-hmm. And you give them chances, of course. The kids, you give them. But mm-hmm. if they, you know, if they still don't adhere to the, the expectation and the standards of what we have been giving you, it's kind of like with freshmen. I have so much patience with freshmen. Freshmen can mess up all yeah. day long. I'm not gonna lie. Freshmen, they can mess up all day long. They can. I, I, that's real. Yeah, that's you real. know, because again, they they have not been in your in your guidance of the program to reach the expectations or the standards, that's hard to do for a kid. I don't care. It takes more than a year. You know? That's right. Coaches that's right. always say, I need three years to turn around my program or four years. So if you, if you want us as athletic director, if you want me to give you 
three years or four years to turn your program around, how come you're not giving that kid the same thing, coach? That's right. That's right. <laughs> coach? That's right. So I think, um, you know, it, it's that, that, that's, that's the important piece, man. If they're not talking about kids and anything else, that's my fear. That, that, that's my fear of losing them uh, to the streets, to drugs, to alcohol, to a whatever. That's my fear. And it hurts more than anything because I have lost a kid like that. It hurts more than anything. But knowing that that, yeah. that, that hurts, that, that's my biggest fear. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I know that people have no idea how hard it is to be a coach. And then I'm going to say, you know, to be a coach, but then to be a head coach, mm-hmm. then to be, you know, a campus athletic director. The hardest thing for me, I dread this, is cutting kids. You know, we we only have this many uniforms. Yeah. You know, so we can't keep everybody. So I, I have gotten to the point, you know, I've been called soft. You know, oh, coach, man, you soft. Yeah, what, whatever, you know, because when a kid comes in. So what you said about freshmen is real. Mm-hmm. All right. So freshmen, they, all they're going to do is mess up. That's it, coach. <laughs> you know, they, they, it could be the most talented kid in the program. They're 14, 15 years old. They're going to mess up. The teacher going to email. Yep. Yeah, it's it's something is going to happen, you know, but as those kids get older and they learn that you love them more. That's right. Right. And that the things that you're asking them to do are going to benefit them more than anybody else. You know, so they they're doing the things that you're asking them to do. And then it gets to a point where. You know, and I coach a small number sport. You know, basketball is not a big number sport like football. You know, so one of the hardest things is, okay, this kid has done everything we've asked him to do. <sighs> you know, that 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 is the hardest thing. I have, I, I coach young women, mm-hmm. you know, so I have, um, I've coached three for sure that became pregnant during the season, you know, and that is, that's a difficult thing. Absolutely. You know, but what do you do, man? You you keep loving them. That's right. You know, you you keep loving them. You know, you make sure you buy them some pampers, you check in on them, (laughs) you know, you, you know, make sure that they come back to games. The, my favorite thing is when, you know, they come back, Absolutely. you know, they come back to see me and they bring those babies, man, bring, listen, bring those babies. You know, let me see him because the hardest thing to do, and you you said it is we we don't want to lose kids, we don't want to lose kids. So I don't know if people realize how difficult. No, let me say it this way: I don't think people realize the things we go through to keep kids. That's right. Let me let me say that you know, and it's not about um, it's not about playing time. Um, it's, it's not about those things. The things that we are doing to keep kids around are great. Absolutely. You know, so I, I'm, I, let me applaud you. You know, you, too, brother. you know, let me applaud you because football coaches, big numbers, you know, football is king, especially here in mm-hmm. Texas. So 
every young man dreams about playing football at some point, you know. So for the work that you have done, Coach Man, I definitely applaud you. Definitely applaud you for that. All right. We're going to move into this next segment because nobody wanted to hear, uh, you know, us talk about, because I know right now somebody probably listening talking about, he just didn't want to play my baby. <laughs> that ain't listen. That's never uh, it. We, that is never. We found somewhere it. to put your baby. We found somewhere. If he if they didn't play, I made sure we had a graphic design team. We had. I mean, you was part. Of, we made you feel like an athlete somehow. That's just. What That's it. it. Yeah. That's, That's it. That's right. That is it. That's huge. Yeah. All right, coach. This segment we're gonna talk about recommended, mm-hmm. recommended books, recommended music. So we're gonna start with books. What are you reading right now? Do you have any books? That you recommend for our listeners? Leaders eat last. Oh, okay. Leaders eat, man. And, and the thing about it is, what the title says is what it is. <laughs> it what the title says okay. is what it is basically saying. Uh, and and I use this before the book coming. I use this before, you know. I always and I got this from Mike Tomlin actually, uh, when he was my defensive coordinator when I was a player for the Vikings. He always said this, together we eat. And I never heard it. I always say, man, you know, we're going to eat together. But think of how powerful, when you switch those words around, same words, we eat together. You switch those three words around, then how powerful is does together we eat? Because what's mm-hmm. the first word? Together. Together. <laughs> yeah. You feel me, Mike? So when, when Mike yeah. Thomas said that, yeah. man, together we eat. It's like this here. I have something that's on my plate. You have food, but it's not enough to feed you. It's not enough to feed you. It's not enough to feed you, feed you. So what I'm going to do off my plate, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Hey, man, all you guys that piece of bread. That's all I need. That's all I need for me to get full. But for y'all to get that's full, good. Y'all need the extra, and which is okay. This is okay. So when he said that to me, it stuck with me. But when I read this book, I'm like, man, this dude was a leader as a defensive coordinator and didn't even know it just by saying that. And this book came out 10 yeah. years later. Um, it, yeah. it, man, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the book. Great book. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great book, man. And I'm all about leadership. I'm, I'm big on leadership. Um, I had a segment at our district uh, about two weeks ago, um, it was a district meeting, and I was one of the presenters. And I don't know if I rubbed people the wrong way. I didn't care at the time. But, <laughs> you know, your position don't make you a leader. Amen. And this is one thing. And I hate to go back to athletics, but this is something. And, and it's funny. It was just on Wednesday I was thinking about this. I had a free time to myself. I'm sitting here thinking. I'm like, in Texas. We give the athletic coordinator title, position, to head football coaches. I know at some districts and some schools, that head football coach, I mean, the head basketball coach, the head softball coach, the head volleyball coach, can run that athletic coordinator position better than some head football coaches. Why is that? Yeah. The leadership position. The leadership position is given to some, mm-mm, your title don't make you a leader. Are you making people around you better? Are you making uh, your the, the programs better? Are you, more importantly, 
couple of things. Are you making the school better? Are you making that community better? One of my greatest, greatest compliments was a parent told me, Coach Glenn, you're like an ambassador for the Clano community. He didn't say football. Yeah. He didn't say the school. Yeah. The so when that can happen, not bragging, but when parents can feel that and say that to you, you know leadership is, is, is something that you worked at and you earned it. Not because I'm a head football coach. No. I mean, you could be yeah. an athletic coordinator, That's... Mike, and coach basketball. From your leadership, your even kill, when it's time for you to turn up, you turn up. I have seen it. Didn't know you was like that, but I have seen it on the <laughs> sideline that you turn up. I've seen that aspect. But as soon as that is done, man, you right here with every situation. Calculated. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're going to make, make the right choice. You're going to say, hey, this is what we need to do. Okay, I need you to get better. Coach, you want to get better? This is what I have. Let me give you this. Like, You see what I'm saying? But it's 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 a position that is thrown out because of titles. Yeah, yeah. So that book man, leaders awesome. eat last. Leaders, leaders eat last. last. Yeah, I'm gonna listen. This is my favorite segment. This is about maybe episode thirty eight, forty, somewhere around there. This is my favorite segment mm-hmm. because of the books that are recommended. I got a friend of mine, Jeremy Parquet, mm-hmm. was fortunate to win a Super Bowl with the Steelers. Awesome. And the praise that you had for Mike Tomlin, man, listen, when I tell you this brother speaks so highly of Mike Tomlin, yep. you know, he's like, Mike, you know, he's, he called me Praise John, Praise John, Praise John, Praise John. Listen, man, I'm telling you, Mike Tomlin. So that what you said, man. does Mike Tomlin, has he written a book yet? Is there any books about him yet? Not yet. He is, I don't want to Not say yet. tree, but he is a, he's a Tony Dungy uh, protege. Um, okay. Him, Leslie okay. Frazier, a couple of them, Lovey Smith. But this man is so intelligent. His verbiage yeah. is, yeah. and this is one more that he let me have. And I, I talk to him like once every two months. We're busy. He's coaching. Of course, he's coaching his way. But he said this. When I had players, when you have players that think they are way better, they're bigger than the team. And he said this to our whole defense. He said, everybody is useful. Mm-hmm. Nobody's necessary. I said, hold on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, I thank God he didn't look me in my eyes because I don't know who he's looking at. But everybody is useful, but nobody is necessary. That's good. Yeah. Hold on. But the man is like he's very intelligent, um, good person, good husband, just a good all right, hung out with just a good dude, man. And, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of my coaching philosophies come from him uh, and the way he, he, he does things. Together we eat, mm-hmm. but the book is called Leaders Eat Last. Yeah. I, I, those words together. Right. We I'm eat. sorry. There's not another book I can give you. That book. Go ahead. That book. I have other ones, but right now, man, that book is fire, Mike. I'm telling you. That book, okay. That book is fire. I, listen, I'm on it. Yeah. I'm on it. You don't have to tell mm-hmm. me twice. Mm-hmm. All right, recommended music. Recommended music. What are you listening to right now? Right now, man. That we need to listen to. I'm, I'm all. I'm all. I'm. I'm all on jazz, man. I'm a jazz person, man. All right. When I'm done with jazz, I'm a okay. Jill Scott, Music Soul Child, Stokely, Mint Condition. I'm all about Kim Waters, man. Okay. I'm, I'm a Kim Waters fan on jazz. Uh, 
You okay. Know, Wayman Tisdale, uh, God rest his soul. I'm, he used to play ball. He played basketball. Yeah. Phenomenal jazz. Yeah. Phenomenal jazz player, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kenny G. Uh, man, I'm I'm all about I'm 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 a jazz uh neo soul guy. You know, I'm not a I'm not into the real hip hop R and B. I'm in it. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm more of that. Let me sit back uh, outside of my porch. Yeah. Just yeah. Cut these little other lights on. Just chill my backyard listening to this decompress for the day. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm I'm curious because I I consider myself to be a, a music connoisseur. Okay. Um, how did you develop that taste, the taste for that specific kind of music? My high school coach, God rest okay. his soul, Bernie Simon. I remember when I was up for an award for Houston, and he had a purple two tone color blazer that that toned into green and he mm-hmm. had at that time there was a he had a remote to his radio in his in his, in his car 1996 96 96 and you know it was it was wired i'm like man that's cool and he like hold on young buck young boy you need to listen to this, this is... so he put it on I'm like yeah, yeah hold on man I'm, I'm trying to listen to this tealer I got this eight ball mtg yeah. coach and you know what what are you you know what i'm saying Get yeah, this car yeah. pace you know, Biggie just came out, Tupac, them. You know, so I'm like, man, yeah. Let me put this jazz on. He said, just I'm like, man, I don't want this, but I'm listening to it, man. Like everything just felt like, like I could just lay back, and I could just let everything just decompress from everything, everything. You know, and it's and it's with me. So it was almost like it was therapy. That's what it was. Yeah, you know, that Kenny G therapy, you know, that Kim Waterman therapy, Wayman Tisdale is therapy. You know what I mean? I can go all the way back, man. To you know, I love listening to Take Five. Oh man, yeah, I, yeah. On my back porch, everybody's in the house doing their thing right now. We're eating dinner. Everybody's good. Man, my wife finished talking. I go on that back porch, turn those speakers on. Mm-mm. They know not to come out. Yeah. yeah, get my two dogs, my two little bitty dogs. We go on that back porch, and I'm just so I, I have a I have a true. Not too many people know that, but you cut my only reason I have Sirius XM radio is for that jazz station because we don't have one in Houston. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. I, I always wonder, you know, what gets people, yeah. you know, into into that brand of music. That's good. That's good stuff. No, I know you're not a big podcast guy, so that's going. Run us right into this lightning round. Awesome. So I got about 10 random questions. Now, I thought of a couple that I didn't write on mm-hmm. here. So you probably going to get more than 10 questions. You good with that? Whatever you need, brother. I'm here, brother. All right, here we go. So this first question, I ask everybody. If you could have a superpower, what would it be and why? If I could have a superpower, what would it be? It would be the ability to heal all sick people. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. I didn't write this one down, but I thought about it. So I think the movie was Varsity Blues or something. They talked about snot bubbles. Mm-hmm. Are snot bubbles real? Is that a real thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. University, oh, University of Texas, uh, <laughs> 2000. I got blindsided. Yep. My first one. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Best advice you ever received? 
best <laughs> the best advice. Well, it was kind of the golden. It's the golden rule: treat people how you want to be treated. Okay. That's the best advice. That's right. Mm-hmm. That is. That's good. All right. Would you rather have one real get out of free jail card or a key that can open any door? A key that can open any door. Okay. Ice cream cone or a snow cone? Ice cream cone. Talking or texting? Talking. If you could have played football in any era other than the one you played in, what era? I would do now because college athletes are getting paid. <laughs> there it is. There it is. That that NIL. Real. If these kids, listen, yeah. hopefully they got wise people around. Absolutely. Hopefully they got wise people Maybe. around. All right. Your house is on fire. You can only run back in and grab two things. What two things you grab? Um, hopefully my family's already out. Because if not, I'm going to have to carry two and go back, go back and get one more. But if I had to grab two things, I would grab, um, you know, me and my wife, um, our wedding uh, certificate, our marriage certificate. I would go get that, and I would grab all our uh, birth certificates. Okay, okay. All right, give me one thing that's on your bucket list. One thing that's on my bucket list, I actually did it a couple of weeks ago, and that was to go hiking in the mountains in Colorado. Okay, okay, yeah, I saw some pictures of that. That looked cool. That looked real cool. All right, you prefer big parties or small gatherings? Small gatherings. What makes you angry? What makes me angry is being lied to. My kids know it. Yeah. What? Okay. <laughs> What makes you smile? What makes me smile? Coming home, seeing my family. Okay. Okay. Last question right here. On a scale of one to 10, all right, as a former coach, on a scale of one to 10, one being never, 10 being all the time, how often do the refs get it right? <laughs> Is there like any negative doubles on like from zero to go? If you need to make your own scale, make your own scale. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm, I'm gonna do this. I, I'm gonna say this. I'm going to say total and overall. I'm gonna say a six. I'm gonna say it's okay, a little bit above. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm about I'm about there with yeah. you too. But I, I tell you, listen. I've learned this though. It is very important that you have a good relationship with those officials. I agree. That 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 is one of the most important relationships that you can have. You know, because they'll at least they'll come and tell you, hey, coach. I messed that one up. I don't just let you know I messed it up. All right, all right, cool, cool. I'm, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you make. That's why they always use my office after the game. <laughs> yeah, that water, that Gatorade, anything. Y'all need anything? I give them the good stuff out of my office. Yeah, man, listen, that is crucial. That is crucial. All right, coach, we're on the last segment right here. This segment is called "You Didn't Ask." Mm-hmm. You didn't ask. Okay. This segment, you get to give any unsolicited advice that you would like to give. Nobody asked, mm-hmm. but you're going to give it to them anyway. Hence, you didn't ask. So what unsolicited advice do you have for us? I would say do not let, first of all, don't let society raise your kids. And oh, yes, don't let society raise your kids and anything else. And I would say this. This, this, is, this is something. Do not, no matter what you're doing now, no matter what your aspirations are, don't give people a reason to say, hmm, see, that's why. That's good. I'll give people a reason to say, see, I told you, that's why. 
no matter what the situation is, don't give them that reason. That is excellent. That's excellent advice. Coach Glenn, brother, thank you for your time. Man, I really appreciate you agreeing to do this. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Anytime, man. And I just want to let you know, man, I appreciate everything you are doing. Not just with coaching, man, just with with, with everything, man. I, you, you are you are you are like Sasquatch in a lot of cases, man. You heard of it, but you rarely, you never really you never see it. So I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate it. Listen, everybody watching and listening, this is the network. Again, this is my attempt at creating a modern podcast version of the Negro Motorist Green Book. With each interview, we're building a network of talented professionals that you can reach out and touch. Reach out and touch this brother. Reach out to him. A lot of wisdom. You just heard from him. Remember, every episode is designed to help you in four ways. Physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially. Subscribe to the network. You never know. You might need it. Amen. Coach, thank you, brother.